Hi, I'm Alex Williams from the podcast Broken Bulbs. Tim decided one season wasn't enough. As such, you're stuck listening to season two of Knights and Nerds. Enjoy the show. Thank you, Alex, for that suspiciously honest introduction. Uh, Alex Williams has a number of podcasts that you can check out. Uh, His latest one, which is really great, is called Broken Bulbs. You can find it on Podchaser. I've included a link for you. Also, you should follow him on Twitter. I'll include his Twitter as well, because he has a multitude of podcasts, and they are all well worth your time. Greetings, peasants. Welcome back to the Knights and Nerds podcast. This is Tim. I'm the Dungeon Master, and I want to say thank you very much for listening to this. We are back today with uh, part two of episode zero. This conversation actually took place, I think, a couple months between, um, uh, like, in there, there's a few months in between this chat and our previous episode zero. So I had some time to sort of like refine my campaign ideas and then I wanted to sort of talk to them about that and some house rules and some other stuff. So I hope you find it entertaining. I I think you will and it'll give you a little bit of a sneak peek into the campaign world. Now there's no spoilers here so don't worry about that. Um, I don't really give anything away obviously to the players because that would be uh, foolish. What you know Foolish things are, I'm not above that, but uh, luckily I don't accidentally give anything away, so totally safe to listen to. Um, This Friday I have a conversation um, with Andrew Kolb, who wrote a campaign setting book for Neverland. Uh, Our friend Ryan Howard did an interview with him as well, Um, and my conversation with Andrew is sort of an extension to the first campaign planning episode I put out last week. We talk more about creating settings. So there's a, there's a lot of talk about creating settings uh, before we actually get the campaign going. Uh, that is because I struggle with it. So um, hopefully you find that interesting as well. Other than that, we are still doing... This is the final few days of our giveaway for a gift certificate to Nerdy Chicken. They are an RPG store, and they sell a lot of cool accessories. Uh, DM, like really fancy DM screen, screens. Don't know if you can sell a DM scream, but I'll give you one for free. Um, anyways, yeah, they sell really fancy DM screens. Uh, some very nice dice sets. Uh, we did a giveaway last year where I gave away some bloodstone dice. Dice carved out of stone. Wowee. Um, they sell dice trays, miniatures, like a whole bunch of stuff. So you should check them out, uh, nerdychicken.ca and check out our social media. Like the, there's a giveaway post on Instagram, on Twitter and on Facebook. So on, uh, on Twitter and Instagram, we're at Knights and Nerds on Facebook. We're Knights and Nerds podcast. Pretty easy to find. Also the links are in the notes here. So check them out. All you have to do is follow us like the, uh, post tag three friends and that's it and we'll announce the winner sometime on friday or or maybe over the weekend who knows it depends how i feel and don't forget you can also join our discord where we talk a bunch about just general D stuff 
We talk about, you know, behind the screen stuff. We talk about people's own campaigns who want so, like to kick around a few ideas and get feedback. Um, and then just general nonsense, I guess. So that's a fun, fun place too. link to the discord also in the show notes. And there's also the DM group uh, on Facebook. If you're wanting to sort of again chat about the behind the screen stuff in this campaign as it sort of kicks off uh, or ask questions, uh, get help, feedback on your own ideas. It's a good, good bunch of people. But aside from that, I don't know that I really have much to announce. So again, just a quick recap. Um, there's going to be another campaign planning episode on Friday. That's in two days. Next week will be a fully solo, Tim-only um, campaign planning episode where I'm really going to go into spoiler stuff. And then the following week, which would be the 17th, episode one. And it is a doozy. It's like at least two hours long. A little bit, maybe a little bit over. And we've got some uh, cool announcements at the top of that as well. So anyways, I don't want to take up much more of your time other than to say thanks again. I'm glad you're here. And if you want to support the podcast, and I really hope that you are enjoying these episodes and finding them helpful, uh, you can tell a friend about us. That's a huge help, always expanding our listener base. Um, if somebody's like looking for podcast recommendations, you can be like, hey, check out this podcast and this podcast being uh, Knights and Nerds, obviously. So um, you can leave us a rating or a review if you want. I think in the near future, there may be other ways as well. However, uh, if you are simply content just to listen along, that's totally fine too. We are happy to have you. And let's just uh, let's just get on with episode 0.5, shall we? Uh, so I hope you enjoy it. So I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you find uh, what we talk about with the setting um, intriguing. I hope it sort of piques your interest for episode one, which will come out in a couple weeks. All right, let's get into it. Um, all right, so it's been... I can't remember Wrong how long since we here. actually recorded. <laughs> God damn it. Damn it. Okay. This has been the Knights and Nerds <laughs> podcast. This is the last episode ever. It's been a while since we um, recorded our episode zero, where we talked about characters and uh, general D&D stuff. Uh, I've, I've had some time to plan, and I wanted to sort of run some stuff by you so you know what to expect going into episode one. So we'll call this episode 0.5. And you can ask me any questions that you want here. And uh, I'll, if I don't have an answer, I'll take it away and I'll think about it and I'll find an answer. And I might even tell you that answer. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, first question. Why did you settle on 0.5? Why not another decimal? Oh, intriguing. Moving right along. Um, so the... <laughs> first off, a bit of... Uh, background on the setting that you'll be in. Uh, first off, I decided to make magic a little bit less common than the average D&D campaign. So magic is uh, not a regular thing. Like uh, most towns and villages exist without, without much or any magic. Um, larger cities, you might have some, some spell casting happening. Um, but it, most people will live their day-to-day -day lives really not encountering it all that much. It doesn't freak people out. Like they're not, um, scared necessarily crime. of, 
Yeah, it, it's it's not like a, a cave person in, seeing somebody who has a Zippo lighter. It's not like that jarring. <laughs> it's more like me seeing somebody who has a Zippo lighter. I do feel <laughs> like oh, get away from person. me. What kind yeah. of cool tricks can you do with one? <laughs> well, no, anyone who's carrying around a Zippo lighter these days is probably on their way to commit arson, let's be honest. I mean, I would disagree. It is reusable. It is environmentally friendly? Question mark, upward inflection? People know that magic exists, and most people are fine with it. Some are wary of it. But meeting someone who can use any like appreciably powerful magic uh, is is not common. Um, it's like meeting a minor celebrity, and very powerful magic users are rare. Um, magic items from any anything ranging from artifacts to potions can only be made from a certain substance. Every few generations, there are meteor showers, and the celestial shards that fall to Earth are called a number of things. Some people call them Starfall. Some people call them God's Eyes. Um, ranging in size from something that can fit in the palm of your hand to something requiring like a horse-drawn wagon to use. It's essentially concentrated, solidified magic. Uh, the study and knowledge of how to use and craft this, sorry, craft with this, is uh, uh, especially to use it effectively, is the domain of like a very select group of sages, scholars, and wizards. Um, May I interject? very uncommon. For, yes, the floor recognizes the warlock. <laughs> I... Kevin, sorry. Um, we should... Yeah, sorry, Kevin. Kevin, Matt, Sarah, hello. Greetings all around. <laughs> uh, gobble, gobble, gobble. Officially come to order. I forgot to, I forgot to officially like recognize anybody here. No, that's fine. We understand. We don't even have quorum. I was just so excited to jump in. <laughs> this whole thing is illegitimate. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's all, how I like it, though. All I was going to say is I absolutely love that idea. And D&D campaigns notwithstanding, I would love to see that worked into uh, some sort of something else later as well, be it a short story, whatever. I lo absolutely love this idea. Yeah, I love it, too. Consider it stolen. <laughs> trademark, trademark. <laughs> patent pending, patent yeah. pending. It's exceedingly uncommon for anyone but rulers to have powerful magic items. The Dungeon Master's Guide and Xanathar's refers to common magic items. There's no such thing as a common magic item here. Whenever, whenever these meteor shower uh, events occur, whenever star fall or god's eye begins to fall from the heavens it sparks conflict because anyone who gets their hands on this stuff can potentially become very powerful perhaps even by fluke they might be able to harness some of that power um so it's sort of like an arms race that happens for a very valuable limited resource um which means that rulers are ruling because they're strong there's no Oh, what do you call that? When a king is divine, um, divine, divine right I by divine right, ruling by divine right. Yeah. Um, so there's there's none of that in like a, um, a ruler's uh, like heir typically takes over because magic items are passed down from generation to generation. Um, but if somebody gets it and uses it, then 
you know, it's it's rulership can change hands very as as easily as the magic items can change hands. So people possess possessing powerful magic items, um, it's very closely uh, monitored type of of uh, object. Two questions. The floor recognizes Matt Order. Um, first question. God damn it, being, Sarah! You're not the chair. I'm the chair. I am. I am the secretary. I am taking notes. Okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> the chair recognizes Sarah's note taking and ability to recognize others. <laughs> so, first of all, is how does this affect like the different big three points of magic: arcane, nature, and divine? Right? Like, is is this focus? Is this uh, like these gods' eyes? Are they focused on arcane spellcasting? Are they all magic? Is it would a druid's ability to be able to make things grow be based on these meteorite pieces, or is go on? Good question. Okay, so there are other As sources of magic. Some people, yeah, some people can cast innately, like sorcerers exist. Um, some people are lucky enough to get divine, um, power channeled to them like clerics and paladins. I know that not all paladins have to have that, but in this case, most of them do. Um, why wouldn't you jump on that? Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, some people are lucky enough to make a pact well, and, um, lucky. yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> luck is, luck is it, relative. <laughs> So this is like ca- casting spells using using study and components is the least common form of spell casting. Okay, gotcha. That was most. Uh, that is a much better way to ask that question, and I'm glad you asked it for me. <laughs> the, did you have a second one? The second question. I did, and I've completely forgotten what it was. And it wasn't a joke okay. question. Was it about mm. shiny weapons? No. Was it? Oh, yes. You talked about power structures and how most of them are uh, like bloodlines, but you've also got the fact that a coup can pretty much happen as long as somebody steals the right magic item or whatever. How varied would you say that landscape is? Like, are there a lot of factions? Are we looking at like three main houses? In in terms of, of like ruling ruling um lords and and lords having sort of uh dominions uh i'm i'm still let me rephrase that i haven't wanted to get too ahead of myself but there will be like three or four legitimate rulers you may encounter one or more of them i don't know but when when this event takes place it's like any faction that has any sort of of organization is like um activated pretty much like orcs drow might come to the surface everyone's pretty like it's it's kind of turns into a free for all it okay. gets very ugly cool. um yep i think that answers my questions so one of these conflicts was 10 years ago or so um and i picked that number because i think that's when thaddeus got out of the armed uh, like the military service is that right yeah it's about right like many soldiers this the lord that he served wanted to locate god's eye and thaddeus was to fend off the forces of 
uh, other realms. Uh, Thaddeus was betrayed when one of the officers in his regiment defected, allying with the notoriously brutal and what you might commonly call evil, Lord Wendell Crowley, ambushing Thaddeus's unit and ultimately claiming God's eye for himself. Wendell? Wendell. Wendell! I wish I I forgot <laughs> that this isn't a visual media, and my facial expression was hilarious. I, I was pretty conveyed through tone. But take a picture. We'll put it up on the Instagram. Take a picture of your face. Take a picture of your face. Do it right now. Uh, I'm working on it. First and foremost, no, okay. no, I am faceless on the internet. That's a lie. I am the dark shadow. That conflict ten years ago was in danger of spiraling dangerously out of control. Until the Aladrin of the Feywild emerged for the first time, dumbfounding all with this sudden knowledge of a new people living sort of in their midst. Potato. The Aladrin, who are (laughs) normally quite content to keep to themselves in the Feywild, helped mediate a truce between the Warring Realms, part of which was the surrender of a number of dangerous magic weapons from all sides, which went into the Aladrin's hands for safekeeping. Oh, shit. Chai, you were one of several Aladrin diplomats involved in this, uh, or you were chosen to stay behind after the mediation in order to observe and occasionally report back to the Aladrin court. So you Love you it. can decide your your level of involvement. Mm, okay. You are aware of where Fey crossings are, and for anyone who doesn't know, a Fey crossing is a point where somebody either with purpose or by accident can cross from the material plane into the Feywild. Uh, so you know where some of these are. Uh, but these locations are not known to non-Eladrin, save for a rare few people who stumble into the Feywild by accident. This doesn't happen often, and not everyone who winds up in the Feywild makes it out. Because it's a very mm, yes. weird place, full of Fomorians and, and talking oh, trees and Red caps and uh, blink dogs and other things that I cool cool could shit. name, but yeah, uh, pofato. Uh, I have a question for you. Yes, please. Sarah recognizes herself. <laughs> yeah, I acknowledge my own presence. Um, so you're saying, like, yes, Feywell knowledge is newer, and also magic in general is a little bit more rare. So. How would I generally be perceived? Like, would maybe, would I be perceived as a little bit of like a, more like, like potentially like a savior to some, but also like the worst person to groups that want power, but also my well, magic would kind really of make people of scared of me? Yes. So your, your magical ability is entirely innate. Like you come from a place where magic is very common. Uh, yes. Magic is essentially like the it's it's linked to the Feywild in 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 the most fundamental way. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, certain people view view Aladrin as very benevolent. Some are very wary because people are afraid of what they don't understand. And um, <laughs> you know, there are, are very few Aladrin that are not in the Feywild. You know, people people are generally like when you show up. Um, I, I would imagine that you have sort of a regular haunt in terms mm-hmm. of the human realms, but um, p- 
people most people are generally um like we, they would they would gawk and stare yeah okay i figured well i mean like i changed seasons i'm a little bit i'm, I'm weird so i figured i would not be getting like a oh yeah that's a normal thing here kind of looks as you can imagine um, going back to the disarmament, uh, as you can imagine, not everyone was equally happy with this arrangement, especially Shut Lord Crowley. Fucking Crowley. Wendell! Creepy Crowley. <laughs> he, <laughs> yeah, Wendell, um, no, Lord Crowley, <laughs> son, uh, had allied with a mysterious and uh, merciless um, fighting force located in a very inhospitable mountain range that I have not uh, homebrewed yet, so I'll leave it there. He allied with them to win the war. Facing the opposition of the other lords and the unknown strength of the Eladrin, uh, Crowley had no choice but to capitulate, but is thought to have kept his fearsome, magical, screaming skull mace for himself. What? I'm sorry. Let's backtrack for a second. Magical screaming skull mace? Were those the words you just uttered? Now. Yeah. And I the visual it. that I have. I love I love it so much, but mostly my first thought was how do I steal it? <laughs> like instinctually. Is, no, the first thought I had was when he swings it, does it sound like a TIE fighter? Just and then he Oh, hits. that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> is that why it's a screaming skull mace? Mm, is it just mm. like one of those like footballs from nerf that when you throw them they whistle <laughs> no if it was if it was if it sounded like a spaceship engine i would have called it like the screaming spaceship engine um thing okay so then the next question is, is the mace just turned to look at him periodically because i'm assuming it's sentient turns and looks at him and goes of course we gotta kill them <laughs> just yells at him every once in a while it doesn't scream it just yells <laughs> Everyone! Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, the magical Gary Oldman maze. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, hey. Magical Oscar winning yes, Gary yeah, Oldman yeah. maze. Oscar winning gold. <laughs> yes. I hope it wasn't for Dracula. I thought anyway. you were going to ask, like, does, does the skull, like, just randomly look into the camera and go, like, it's a living. <laughs> I mean, well, now I want it to. The episode okay, ends with a skull stones. winking, and then there's like a like a what do you call those where it's like dun, 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 dun. and then it like yeah, and then it just plays out. It. Yeah, that's how we end each podcast: is a cutscene to the mace having a monologue to the audience about its life, uh, just how shit's going. What what they've learned in this yeah. episode? <laughs> it's like today we learned today. sometimes it takes a little extra shoulder to really crack those skulls. Since the disarmament, Crowley has been removed from political turmoil, though in the silence, suspicions grow that his insidious influence has been spreading, waiting for the right time to claim the victory that he was denied. Anybody have any questions before we talk about house rules? I will probably have many. Immediately, I don't. Mostly, I just want to know more about the insults the skull maze gives people. But that's just my own personal aside. Oh, sorry. I was just daydreaming about the uh, the skull providing <laughs> psychiatric help, like like in Charlie Brown. <laughs> I was just about to say it's propped up like a hand puppet in the Charlie it's Brown like, booth. It's like yeah. you know you shouldn't be talked to like that. Those soldiers, you should just crack a couple skulls. They'll respect you a little more. Like she can't do that to you. This this is this is your area. 
<laughs> Make her hold the football there. <laughs> I will compile these and I'll email uh, the, this list to everyone uh, so that everyone can freely reference it when we're actually in game. Yes, so um, the house rule that I'm carrying over from last campaign is if you describe your attack in detail, you can get a plus one bonus to your damage. So if you're just like, oh, you don't, you do not have to do it. <laughs> you do not have to do it. So you can say, I just attack, I cast Eldritch Blast, whatever. If you're like, I cast Eldritch Blast right at his penis in the hopes of setting all of his pubes on fire, like that gets a plus one, maybe a plus two. One but no, if you, if you put some flavor, if you put, <laughs> if you put a little bit of, of description on your attack, you can get a plus one. Put a little love bit it. of mustard on it. Yeah. Put a little bit of mustard yeah. on it. The crunch that I love to give. That's the crunch. That's the, that's the crunch. Um, yeah, I want to try the I know a guy rule. Ooh, okay. You guys heard of that one? I think I, so. I've heard of it. I completely forget what it is. In a situation where it makes sense narratively that you know someone who can help out with a current problem that you're facing, you can say, I know a guy, and then that NPC exists. The The, the person who made, and I, I take no credit for this, uh, but the person who made this uh, rule was trying to emulate the part in The Empire Strikes Back where um, Han Solo knows somebody and that somebody's Lando Calrissian. Um, <laughs> so. When you say you know somebody, that NPC exists, you can quickly sketch out your um, relationship with that NPC. And then the, I guess, the the amount to which they are helping you will determine how problematic it may be to, to find and convince this NPC to help you. Ah, uh, okay. Gotcha. You want lots of help, you got to convince them. Got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the, yeah, the, the, the bigger a favor they're going to do, the more uh, hoops you're going to have to jump through. Death saving throws. This is going to be a bit of, a, of a, an extra degree of difficulty. Death saving throws, as soon as you go unconscious, you make one right away. I, I would like to add something to Thaddeus's inventory, if I may. <laughs> It's a small wooden sign with the words come at me, bro, painted on it. (laughs) Thaddeus doubling down, doubling down. Uh, Shy would like to add brown underpants to her inventory. (laughs) And then to to hopefully make things a bit easier, a short rest is five minutes. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah, that's the shortest rest. Normally, yeah, normally a short rest is like 20 to 30 minutes, I think. But uh, let's just do five, because I think you guys are going to be busy. I have a feeling yes, but also I think I get some shit back on short rest, so I'm cool with that. Kev sure well, does. So, so, does, uh, so, does, so does Kevin, yeah. yeah Kev definitely <laughs> gets some shit back on short yeah. rest. Give him slots. Give him fire. But does... Slots, 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 slots. Normally warlocks are, are slot shaming everyone for getting their stuff back only on a long rest. Um, I wanted to use a rule about being disarmed. Uh, disarming attacks to me like are very underpowered and are, are 
more or less useless unless somebody like disarms someone and then someone else like mage hands their weapon away or something like that. So if you are disarmed or if you disarm someone else, a creature picking up their weapon after being disarmed has disadvantage on their next attack if a conscious hostile creature is within five feet of them. To me, that makes sense that you are sort of focused on being defensive. You're you're not going to be as effective of an attacker if you have to stoop down and pick up your weapon off the ground. That kills your rhythm. Yeah, and I find like disarming strikes are, are very underused because it has no real impact on combat. I've never seen it have like a very strong impact. Well, yeah. and I mean, come on. The best way to disarm somebody is to remove the arm. I mean, that's one approach. <laughs> <laughs> I was legit expecting you to say the best way to disarm you is with a smile. <laughs> uh, my charisma score is not a higher I'd say than my his strength. charisma is not that high. Well, it's going to be high. Yeah. It's just my strength is higher. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yes. The real question is, so if you disarm somebody with a smile, does it then make it easier to cut their inner child? You cut their soul in half. You deal damage <laughs> to their soul. Wow. Um, that got dark. <laughs> There's some, some Smashing Pumpkins deep cuts for you guys. Plus one weapons are not magical unless, uh, unless I specify. Um, you might get a plus one weapon that is just expertly crafted. Um, that's less of a house rule, I guess, and more of just a... I, I don't think that's, that's going to come up too often. I think the last major house rule here is specifically for Kevin, um, for your warlock Gutterbird, if that's still the, the name that you're going to go with, which I really hope it is. It's grown on me. <laughs> it's grown on me from the day that I didn't know I had to have a name ready. So <laughs> since then, I've started to really enjoy it. So it's, it's I crawled out of the I pattern into our hearts? Yeah, that's right. I also knew I had to have a name ready, and I didn't. Anyways. <laughs> you can request a boon from your patron. Your patron is... I don't want to give too much away here, but obsessed with balancing things. So, there's always something that offsets your, your ask. If you... <laughs> let's say you want to... It's so dangerous. ...succeed on... On a saving throw, uh, like like I really need to pass this saving throw right now, and you you just failed it. Your patron might intervene when you ask them, but it will result in a failed saving throw at a later date. <laughs> perhaps to you, per, oh, perhaps no. to someone else. <gasps> oh no. Oh. Abuse this, Kev. I love it. It's like wild magic. I love it. But better. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's a little bit more pretty. So the larger the boon that you ask for, the 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 wider the pendulum has to swing the other way to balance things out. That's as concrete as I want to get it because I don't want to put um too oh, many. Don't yeah, don't don't limit don't limit this pain. Yeah, no. I don't want to put too many limitations on it. I want you to be able to have fun. Your your patron is, you know, not some kind of distant, unanswering, like 
god that you know exists but never talks to you. Your patron is is a little bit more active in your day to day. Oh, um, so I guess my question about that would be, um, is there any sort of randomization for, so let's say I, I have a prayer or I do whatever I need to do to, to pass a saving throw. Who decides when that gets, when that gets used later? You are, you are deciding essentially as the DM or is there a degree of randomization where just at some point there's sort of this, um, you know, there's like a growing. Can you stockpile negative effects? Like the pressure builds up until the kettle goes off? Yes. And then, so that sort of, you know, that sort of implies that you are keeping, like as the DM are keeping track of this and can apply it at any point. Or is there um, a randomization where it's like, you know, the, there's I haven't done any I haven't made any requests, so obviously there's no um, there's no negative effects coming down the pipe. But like if I if I make a request, then there's just like you know how does it get decided when a negative effect comes into play? Like how do you plan on handling that? Um, I I was just sort of thinking that I would uh, I would leave a note to myself and then decide oh this would be really interesting if some if if this if things balanced out right now. So I was just going to kind of do it, uh, you know, when I thought it was like, I don't want to do it at a point where like, if you're in a fight and you're already losing, I don't want to do it then uh, necessarily like as Tim, the dungeon master. Um, I think it's interesting. You mentioned randomization. Um, I I hadn't considered that, but I might end up using it that way. Um, I had just kind of thought that it would happen at a place where, it would make things a bit more interesting, but not necessarily entirely overwhelmingly punishing. Cool. Unless that's the yeah. nature of the balance. The way I was, I was thinking of it is sort of like, um, um, law of averages almost. So say you have like, like a pot and every time I ask for something positive, you add a, a negative side effect so that, you know, the more positive asks I have, the more likely it is that you'd be pulling a negative one. Probability. Yes. Thank you. So like the more positive things that I, the more positive things that happen to me, the more likely something negative is going to happen to me later. Well, it's, it. I think that'll, that'll have to be something that, that I kind of take away. Um, it, I, it depends because, like, I don't know how how often that you'd be going and 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 making uh, a request like that. Um, yeah. I think that's an interesting character choice. If if you know that you have to that that like the ledger gets balanced at some point in the future in ways that um, you can't fully anticipate, like how often is is Gutterbird going to be making those those types of requests? Yeah, no, I'll I'll I'll, I'll think of a of a system and i'll i'll let you know what i, I i'll let you know my thoughts um i just i didn't want to make it super finite um yeah. that that there were a lot of restrictions on how it works but i mean i guess if if there's a degree of of how you understand it um i guess how how gutterbird would understand how it works so that he can maximize its its usefulness um, like, would that be, would that be helpful? I don't think, I think that's giving me too much, too much, um, concreteness. 
<laughs> it's uh I, I like the idea of being like using it in in like a really life or death dire situation and then and then having it hang over me forever <laughs> until something <laughs> happens right like yeah I, I think I think that's the interesting dynamic is like whether it would be like you 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 make this ask and it happens but then instantaneously something bad happens or uh you ask for a few small things then one really bad thing happens like that that I think would be the interesting thing for you to know and that that I would see you could probably get from like knowing from having done it before right but yeah knowing like what the actual consequence will be it's like that might affect you too much mm-hmm. and it's, I, th- I think I like the idea of it being almost um like having because because it is sort of an adver- not adversarial but a bit of a contentious relationship that I have um with my uh with my 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 guy is it patron um <laughs> your 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 boss daddy yeah yeah that's right the the uh the sugar daddy but also sometimes the salty daddy oh um, so um yeah i think it i think it'd be it's kind of, i think it'd be fun for for like you know that to decide you, you know like sarah was saying you know i asked for a couple of a couple of small to medium sized things, but then one big thing totally screws me later or something because I asked for, you know, I was like, Oh, I need like, so I asked for, for berries on 10 different occasions and then I die or something like it. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of it being sort of a fickle, like a fickle guy a fickle, uh, gosh, is it patron? We're calling him patron patron. Yeah. Yeah. Like just dickish, just a little dickish. A hinto dick. Yeah. I, I figured that like if you if you asked for like a big a big favor, like a larger boon, then the balance might be that you do your vomiting act um at some point in the near future. But mm. uh I'll I'll jot down some ideas and I'll you know, we'll land on something. I might run this by the uh the the behind the screens folks and see what they think. The- get some expert advice because I'm just a fucking novice. Yeah, no, I, I'll I'll do my best to sort of uh, figure out a little bit more of a um, like an actual like a method to it, and I'll, I'll let you know what I come up with. Um, and the, I think the last thing that I wanted to just uh, not really a house rule, but I'd like to I'd like for one of you to um, nominate a loot czar. So that you're the one person is keeping track of all the money and treasure and 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 findings. See, see, I'm torn now because doesn't I, have to be now, but that no, but I literally earlier in this episode said I would be the secretary, but then also Kev said he'd be the treasurer. So I think we're at a little bit of an impasse here. This is coming from the most loot gobliny loot. I goblin am a ever. loot demon. Yes, no, you're no, not wrong. No, loot goblin. You can do yes, it. goblin. I can do it you if can, you're. I you scurry around. I do, I might everything. have already made an Excel spreadsheet, but that's fine. Hey, buddy, did you get a load of the nerd? Uh, I will happily record uh, the the bootay. Neat. Okay. Uh, I think that's all that I had. Did you guys have any questions yet, or are you just ready to we'll- throw down? Oh, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to throw down. I think my only thing was... Uh, do 
and you don't have to give a definite answer on this. Um, is it going to be the situation where we will be meeting in the first episode or would you like us to have already known each other only in the sense of like, is there other backstory we should know about those encounters? You will meet in a tavern. 